this morning we're going to take a break from 2 Timothy and look back um, to the morning when the Spirit of God was poured out upon the church in Acts chapter 2, and we'll pick up 2 Timothy again next week. So before we go any further, let's pray together, and uh, then I will uh, uh, we'll, we'll read uh, this morning's reading. Father God, thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it reveals of who you are. And Lord, as we spend this time this morning listening to your word, we pray that your spirit would again be living and moving. Would you be opening up our hearts? Would you be opening up our minds? May you be speaking to us today that we might hear you, that we might know you, that we might live our lives as you have created and designed us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you want to follow along, we're reading today from Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be, read from verses 1 to 4, and then we're going to jump through to the end of the chapter, verse 42 to 47. Um, the words will be up on the screen um, if you don't have your Bible or if you get lost as we jump through. But let's um, read God's word together now. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then down to verse 42 we hear of the church gathered together and how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to, fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone who was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, broke bread in their homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, sadly, we don't have time to read the whole of Acts chapter 2 this morning, but I really encourage you this week, if you have the moment to go and sit down and uh, read uh, those uh, verses that we've missed out this morning um, in between where we hear Peter share this amazing sermon um, and this amazing message of who Jesus is and what he has done for them and for all of us um, on that Pentecost morning, preaching hope and life to all who would hear it. But this morning I wanted to particularly focus on the church. We are working through this series on 2 Timothy, looking at how we fan the flame of the Spirit of God within his church, how we can be his people here today. However, 2,000 years ago, the Spirit of God first came upon the church. It changed how they lived their lives forever. It empowered them. And so the question is, how can we be empowered by the Spirit of God today? And what difference does the Holy Spirit make as we live our lives for Jesus together? So let's start by looking at the disciples before 
the Holy Spirit came that Pentecost morning. There is no magic formula to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, you might struggle to believe, but you don't need a dry ice machine or some fancy lights in order to communicate that the Holy Spirit is on the move. Um, uh, I would argue, actually, that the Holy Spirit moves the most in times of relative simplicity, where not where the production is right, but where the heart is right, is fertile soil for the Spirit to move. And in this passage, it, we see what it looks like when we leave space, where we create that fertile soil in our hearts for the Holy Spirit to come and move amongst us. So we started our reading at Acts chapter 2, but when we read the Bible, it's always good to understand the context of uh, what we are reading. So let's remember the context of what happened that Pentecost Sunday. Uh, like a great show on Netflix, Pentecost is not the first episode in the new season that you've just sat down to start binge-watching. Instead, it's that really wonderful but also irritating one, because you want to know what happens next, um, cliffhanger at the end of the series that sets up the next season um, that you're in the life of the church. Previously, in the church, Jesus has died, he's risen again, um, and he's appeared to his disciples numerous times um, and numerous different places. And the book of Acts is written by a guy called Luke, who also wrote Luke's gospel. And if you look back at Acts chapter 1, Luke basically bridges the gap from the end of his gospel into uh, this Pentecost morning. So he tells us in verses 4 and 5 that uh, Jesus told his disciples that, he, that not only had he risen again, but his message to his followers was to wait in Jerusalem. And then wait, and as they waited, they would be baptized by the, presence, or by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then once this has happened, Jesus went on in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 to tell them that they would go and be his witnesses, as John mentioned to us earlier, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Following this, the disciples then gather together to appoint Matthias to replace uh, and take over from Judas. And then we come to Acts chapter 2, where our reading started this morning. And the phrase that struck me as I was pondering what to share this morning hit me as I read the first verse of Acts chapter 2 uh, uh, as I was preparing. Luke tells us that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The disciples had obeyed Jesus. They, he told them to go to Jerusalem to wait and so they waited, and they remained together. I don't think it's any coincidence that Luke includes what could seem just like a little bit of scene setting in uh, this account of that Pentecost morning. I think it's much more significant than that. The disciples waited for the Holy Spirit to come just as Jesus had promised. They stuck together. We can all encounter the Spirit of God individually. Yes, that's right, that's true. But the Spirit of God really turns up when the church comes together in unity. 
If we want to see the flames of the church fanned into flame, if we want to see the Spirit of God move through his church here in this place, then the best thing we can do is not only wait, not only obey, but also to stick together as we wait for Jesus to unveil what he has promised to us. This is why one of our church values as a church here in this place is gathering together. Because Jesus tells us that where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. If we want to get close to Jesus, if we want to know the presence of the of Spirit moving in his church and in our lives, We need to commit ourselves to gathering together, to joining together, to being one together. Gathering together means that we need to keep united. The Holy Spirit will not come upon a divided church. Jesus told his disciples, including you and me today, to love one another as I have loved you. A church that loves each other sticks together. A church that loves for Jesus to come as he has promised them together. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. I urge you to live a life worthy of, of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, and over all, and through all, and in all. In case you missed it, there is one. God values unity. Unity means that we put others above ourselves in the name of unity. Unity means that we're patient and we stick together even in, when we disagree or when other people drive us crazy, we stick together in the name of unity. Unity means that we love each other, caring for each other, celebrating each other, cheering each other on, looking out for one another, all in the name of love and in the name of unity. I imagine in that uh, room on that Pentecost morning, just like in any church, there were all sorts of different people there. There were different people from different backgrounds. There were people who were in different social groups, people with different personalities, the people who just uh, couldn't wait to get on with the next job and hated waiting as well as the people who were okay with waiting and quite happy putting off the jobs that needed to be done. Uh, There were were no doubt those who were extroverted and loved being around people, as well as some of those people who did not. Um, Yet through it all, they remained together as one. Why? Because there is one God. There is one baptism. There is one faith, one Lord, one spirit, and one body, the church. The church stuck together. As the church sticks together, verse 2 then starts with another wonderful word, suddenly. The church knew what Jesus had promised, 
They were gathered together. They were waiting together. And then suddenly, God turned up. And the Spirit came upon his church. There is no formula. There's no church growth strategy. There's no predicting when and how the church will be fanned into fame. You can gather together. You can wait for what Jesus has promised. You can obey him to the best of your ability. But there is no knowing what God will do next and how he will do it. The Spirit of God is unpredictable, but the Spirit of God is moving. He is with his church. He is empowering and equipping us to live our lives for Jesus. It strikes me that sometimes we can be guilty of trying to predict God, of taking the unpredictability out of dark God. You know, we've dinner in the oven at home. I need to be home by 12, otherwise the dinner's going to burn. But what if God shows up? May we never be guilty of trying to put the Holy Spirit in a box of predictability. He moves suddenly, unexpectedly. As we gather together as one, may we be prepared to embrace the unexpected, to embrace what the Holy Spirit has to do with us. As the Holy Spirit came upon the church suddenly, Luke tells us that there was a sound like the blowing of wind that came from heaven that filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As the Spirit came, this was a powerful moment. There was something like wind, something like fire, but the key word in that sentence is the word like. This was no natural phenomenon. It was a supernatural phenomenon as God broke into the room. We don't have time to go into these in details today, but as the Holy Spirit came upon the church, there was something like wind blowing in the house. Wind is an image of God's power. And the amazing thing about wind is that you don't need anything to create it. It just exists. Listen to these words of Jesus in John chapter 3, where he says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. To embrace the power of wind, you don't need to know where it's come from. You don't need to do this and that and that to make it happen. It's just there. All you need to do is to catch it and travel in the same direction as the Spirit leads us. Whether whether it's a high-tech wind farm or an ancient sailing boat, this principle is the same. They are powered as they catch the wind and as they utilize the power of the wind. And so it is for the church as we receive the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do anything to create it. All we need to do is to catch it and let let him empower us to drive us forward. 
this Pentecost, the message to the church is you don't need to do anything to create the power of God. The flames of the church will be fanned in flame. All we need to do is see that the wind is blowing to raise the sails to catch it and travel with it. As the wind blew, what seemed like tongues of fire fell from the church. Fire is symbolic in uh, uh, throughout the Bible of, of, of a sign of purity and being purified. As the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, not only does he empower us, but he burns within us, transforming our lives as he does so. Then all the church were filled with the Spirit. They spoke in other tongues so, the church, so that everyone around the world heard them speaking in their own language. And I love this detail again because it's included everyone in the room. Everyone in the room was speaking and praying in this uh, as they spoke and proclaimed the message of Jesus to all those around them that everyone in their own language might hear what the Spirit was saying to them. So it included everyone in the room and it went out to everyone in the world of all nations. It's church for you, isn't it? Church isn't just about me standing up here on a Sunday talking about us. Uh, it includes all of us joining in and sharing the message of Jesus. And we don't just share the message of Jesus with people around us or with the people we like or with the people we think will be helpful to us. We share the message of Jesus with everyone around the world. Today we celebrate the multinational makeup of our church family from India to Ghana to Hungary to the USA and beyond, the good news of Jesus is for all people. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to share that good news around the world, as John said, from Arbury to Cambridge and to the ends of the earth. As Jesus said to his disciples, when the Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's the message to the church then, and it's the message for the church today as well. The Spirit is not just given for us to experience in our churches as some nice, uplifting worship experience, but the Holy Spirit comes to empower the church so that all around us may hear the good news of Jesus for themselves. As the Spirit comes upon the church, he also empowers them in their mission of taking the good news of Jesus throughout the world, and he leads them into worship together. Sermons have been written just on the last few verses in Acts 42 to, or two, verses 42 to 47 um, alone. Um, but let's just have a quick look at what it looks like to worship in a church that has been fanned into flame where the Spirit of God is moving and active. As the church was fanned into flame, the disciples were hungry to know more of God. Verse 42 tells us that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They broke bread together. They remembered and celebrated Jesus and what he'd done for them. They were devoted to prayer together. As the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, not only does he reveal who he is, 
but he also leads us to long for more of who he is too, to grow deeper in our faith, to apply what Jesus has taught us into the day-to-day realities of our lives. We don't have to do this by our own efforts. It's not about discipline, but it's about the Spirit leading us and growing within us and fueling a passion to know more of God within our lives. As the church were hungry for more, they were also filled with power as the Spirit worked through them. Verse 43 tells us that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders they performed. When the Spirit turns up in his church, the world sees not only the power of human beings, but the power of God displayed for all to see in his people. And when that happens, people can't help but be lost in awe and wonder, not at what we're doing, but in what God is doing through us. The church also grew in community they started off on Pentecost morning sticking together, but it, by, by, as the Spirit came, not only did they stick together, but they loved one another. They gave sacrificially to each other. They did not stop meeting together. They were in and out of each other's homes together. They wanted to be in community with one another. A church that is on fire for Jesus is a church defined by deep and sincere relationships where love is put into action. And finally, the church worshipped together. A church that has been fanned into flame will always be a worshipping church. It will be the lifeblood of the church. It's a church that sees the goodness of God and can't help but respond with praise and adoration and gratitude for what God has been doing. There should be no limit to our desire to praise Jesus. In a church that has been fanned into flame, there's no clock watching, no wondering what's happening next. It's just being in the presence of God and responding in kind, praising him for who he has revealed himself to be. As the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, the church delights in the presence of God. And as they do so, people see Jesus present in his church. They believe. And the church grows. If we, want to, if, if we want to see the church of Jesus grow in this place, it all starts with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit coming and moving in us and through us. It's the Holy Spirit who changes hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals the presence of Jesus in his church. And we are just the vessels through which he flows. On that first Pentecost, the church was fanned into flame. But it all started with them gathering together, sticking together, and waiting for what Jesus had promised to them. And that promise that Jesus made to his church as he rose and ascended into heaven didn't just apply 2,000 years ago, but applies to each one of us here today. Wait and I will send my Holy Spirit upon you. So as we gather together, let's continue to wait on Jesus together. 
Let's open ourselves to his spirit that we might catch where he is leading us. May we know that the Holy Spirit empowers the church. He empowers each one of us here today to worship and to serve our God. As the Holy Spirit came upon the church, the church was forever changed. And may that be true for us today as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of your spirit. That we do not have to live this life alone, but we can know that you are present with us. And so, Lord, this Pentecost morning, we say that great ancient prayer that has gone from generation to generation. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, upon your church. Come, Holy Spirit, upon your people. Come, Holy Spirit, upon me. Jesus, would you empower us? Would you equip us? Would you strengthen us? Would you surprise us? Stir our hearts to worship as we live our lives for you. Set a fire in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray.